0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ensure your next purchase is a real deal and shop authentic handbags, watches, sneakers, streetwear, and jewelry from eBay, backed by authenticity guarantee. Visit eBay.com for terms.
1: I could keep answering these questions all day. I'm not done. I don't feel done. I feel cheated that there's only four. Hello, and welcome to a special February mailbag edition of Dinner SOS. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious. We get a lot of questions in our inbox. We can't turn all of them into full episodes, but we want to do our best to get you answers. So if you ever have a question that feels maybe too small for an entire episode, send it anyway. You may just find your question in one of these mailbag episodes. Okay, I'm joined once again by my colleague, Shilpa Askokovich. Hi, Shilpa. Hi, Chris. Shall we answer some listener questions? We shall. Our first question is from Molly. A little background on her. She says she's been a vegetarian for 20 years. Her husband is also a vegetarian. Neither of them have much experience cooking meat, but they have a three-year-old who's obsessed with chicken. Can I just ask, how does that happen then? Mac. Yeah. Like, a wedding, a bar question. mitzvah, you know? That's like a
0: rebellious kid.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they start so young. Um, they give him frozen chicken nuggets because that's pretty much all he wants to eat. She wants to know what is a good chicken dish I can make my three year old that is A, foolproof so I don't have to taste it. That's fascinating. B, freezes well so I can reheat it later since he will be the only one eating it. Also, preferably no bones because meat makes me queasy. <laughs> I mean, (laughs) I I have thoughts. I I mean, I have thoughts. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) unless (laughs) unless you want to elbow your way into this one,
0: no, no, go
1: ahead. (laughs) Okay, so uh, this is this is this is the tricky thing. It's like, do they like chicken or do they like crispy fried things? Mm, You know, even pan-fried, right? Yeah. Because part of me is like, oh, well, if they like crispy nuggets of stuff. You know, who said it has to be chicken anyway, right? You could use a plant-based alternative. You could also just try it with fish, right? And like branch out into like fish fingers or fish nuggets. Mm -hmm. Where my brain went is, and this is like very much how one of my kids eat, which is not an indicator of anything other than just like how weird, you know, kids can be. But he just, he wants sauce, you know, he's he's happy enough with the chicken, and I'll make him chicken katsu or just a breaded, you know, kind of shallow fried um, chicken cutlet. But it's in the sauce that we kind of, like, expand his repertoire of, like, mm. what he will eat, right? So I'll make, like, a Japanese curry, like, yeah. just sauce. No texture, no additions, no solids, just the pure gravy curry, right? I'll also sometimes make a little like kind of bulldog adjacent sauce. Mm. You know, little jam, little ketchup, little oh, worcestershire, okay. you know, and just mm-hmm. tell them it's like it's magic whatever. I mean, tell them whatever. Tell them it's freaking bu- bulldog sauce yeah. and they can deal with it, you know. But it's 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 in nudging the kind of the barriers, right? It's it's in, you know, gentle kind of yeah. expansion um, expansion of yes thank you yes <laughs> that i find like i have the most success mm. um plus like yeah you can just freeze a you know a, a cooked chicken cutlet and then just whack it in the um, oh yes you know absolutely big time or freeze you know dredge them freeze them raw and oh. then and then cook them just off? cook them cook them from frozen yeah i, mean,
0: I suppose you think, think your th-
1: chicken patties like being like dredged a la minute, you know, when you go to like your yeah. chicken burger <laughs> drive through
0: Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, no, I was, yeah, I was going to say just making a homemade version of yeah. like, the chicken nugget is a great upgrade. Um, totally. And it checks off all the other boxes. It freezes well. There's no bones. No bones about it. You know, it's it. pretty much foolproof. You can dial down how much salt there is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a good thing to start with. And then, you know, speaking to your point about making a few small changes to switch things up, you can change things up in the breading, like add some shredded coconut, add sesame seeds, Mm -hmm. add a different spice or whatever. And you have yourself these 10 different variations, which, you know, satisfy everybody there, I think.
1: Yeah. And as long as you're dredging and shallow frying stuff, like, why don't you do some tofu for yourself? You know, why don't you do like big slices of eggplant? You know, mm. why don't you mm. kind of get into it? Like, I just feel like, you know, where my heart breaks on a Monday night is in having to do a three-part dredge on anything. But if I'm dredging, I mean, I'm dredging to win.
0: Oh, yes, yes. You know what
1: I mean? Like, I'm That's dredging good, mm-hmm. for England, right? <laughs> like, I'm going to dredge until there's no more dredge. And It's like, very
0: traitorous of you that you didn't choose an American <laughs> team, but all right, continue. We'll let you live. Move <sighs> <Go> on. <laughs>
1: it's okay. I'm... <laughs> You're excused. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? I'm just saying, you know, there's that is a, a type of dish that like you yeah. can really kind of like have fun with, that framework.
0: Let's yeah, say. I agree. I agree. Um, that's a good strategy. Bread a bunch of stuff, different stuff. Different stuff. And then freeze that. I would say cook and then freeze because that's even easier. Mm-hmm. Um, because if it's frozen and then you put it in the oil, then sometimes it splatters on you. Okay. You know, (laughs) the voice of reason. There we go. (laughs) Very unusual that it's me this time. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: not the role you normally play. (laughs) Okay. I want to shout out the cheese cracker crusted chicken by Elena Besser. Um, This was from about a year ago and or something. And it's just like a really fun cutlet. You use um, cheese crackers you know, like whatever goldfish or anything in that world. What's the other one? The square one. Ritz.
0: No, no it's
1: what's the other one?
0: <laughs> Not made
1: for me. Cheese it's Jake. He's all hopped up on his tofu <laughs> bow. Coming in like the voice of God. Cheese it's you can use those. Um you use you break them down, you know, food process them into crumbs, and then you bread chicken with that. I mean, that is fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, And the one that I want to talk about or recommend is the air fryer sesame coconut chicken tenders from Rachel. Uh, And these are fun because they have a bunch of seasoning, but it's eminently adaptable. You can switch out the seasoning for whatever you choose or skip it altogether. Um, And there's coconut, there's sesame. Again, you can add more or eliminate one of them and just increase one of the other. Um, Yes, very easy to make. You can do it in the air fryer uh, and it has a sauce alongside.
1: We're going to take a short break and then we'll be back to answer more of your questions.
0: Hi there, I'm Deb Perlman, creator and mastermind behind Smitten Kitchen and the author of three cookbooks.
1: And I'm Kenji Lopez-Alt. You might know me from Sirius Eats, The Food Lab and The Walk.
0: We're both professional home cooks, which means that we create and test recipes obsessing over them until they're just right.
1: And on our new podcast, The Recipe with Kenji and Deb, we'll share our techniques and ingredients so that you can learn everything
0: you need to create your own perfect recipes. From Radiotopia, from PRX. It's The Recipe
1: with Kenji and Deb.
0: Out now on your favorite podcast platform.
1: Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day.
0: Kyle is slowly upgrading his kitchen knives one by one to replace a set that is about 10 years old and showing a lot of wear. Rather than going out and buying another set, he would rather piece together a collection of high-quality knives. Do you have any brand recommendations besides what a quick Google search would return? Chris, I think this is your topic. Really? Let me drag out the soapbox. Like, no, I hate hey, <laughs> No, but you're if, good at it. That's if what I'm got, saying.
1: If you, okay, well, yeah. you know, if you got thoughts, I mean, please, I'm, I am curious, you know, pound for pound, I think the best knife brand that appeals to folks who appreciate the sturdiness of a Western-style knife and slightly soft, softer, more forgiving steel, but also with, like, a kind of keenness and a thinness to the blade... That's about as nerdy as I'm going to get, because not everybody wants to follow (laughs) me down the rabbit hole. I'm here. (laughs) Mac Knives, M-A-C Knives. They're, you know, they're kind of classic line, um, Mac Professional, is just so good. For the money, I think it's just about the best out there. They're cool enough and perform well enough to work for professionals, but they are you know, well within the realm of kind of affordability for most home cooks. And um, yeah, and it's like, listen, I could list a dozen knives that are kind of like aspirational purchases here. And let me be clear, like knives just by, you know, definition are expensive. But for specialty knives, here's the thing, like a boning knife you don't need A paring knife? You don't, you, A, you probably don't need one and B, get, get like a Forstner, like a Victorinox. Oh, that, you know what I mean? Like oh, get yeah. get something that's just like bog standard and, the you know, is going to be like 25 or 30 bucks. Yeah. You know, spend more money on a knife that you're going to use more often.
0: Yeah. But, and actually, that's I actually want to take it back to that, what you said uh, about the boning knife, et cetera. And I think we both know that you don't need so many knives. You really need a chef's knife. You need well, you need multiple paring knives, I would say. <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, I get by without a paring knife most of the time. Oh, okay. But, but I mean, you know, yeah, sure, they're great. But again, you don't need to buy the best paring knife. No, in
0: the world. absolutely not. No. Um, but I would say chef's knife, paring knife, serrated knife, and that's it. You really—that's yeah. all you really need. Really, really need. Uh, and then you can upgrade. Maybe if you're really butchering meat, you can get a boning knife or like a fillet knife. But this is—these are the three things you need. So. Agree. Invest in the chef's knife. Um, invest in a serrated knife, but they do tend to last forever, regardless.
1: Yeah. Um, I still have a serrated knife that I think came with my like culinary school <laughs> me kit. Me too. I still have <laughs> it, like it
0: refuses to die. Yeah, it's it still like can.
1: fine. Yeah, you know? it's fine.
0: And for the pairing knife, I do have to say I like the Vic- Victorinox.
1: Victorinox, yeah, like the the Swiss Army brand yes. Victorinox. They're honestly their knives. For in terms of less expensive knives are just incredible for the performance. And for, you know, specialty knives or paring knives, you can get a set that are like razor sharp for probably, you know, 20, 25 bucks. Yeah. Um,
0: And the trick is to get the serrated paring knife because they tend to stay sharper for much longer. Whoa. Yeah, I like them.
1: Our next question is from Anna. Anna wants to know if you had to choose a theme or cuisine, et cetera, for Every day of the week, Meatless Monday, for an example, what would you choose and what are some dishes you would include? Wow. Great question. But I feel like we could be here all day uh, if we had to choose one for each day of the week. So we're actually just going to each choose one go-to theme uh, for one night of the week. I want you to start.
0: I was going to say immediately Korean food. Really? Yeah. Yes. Um... I love Korean food and we find it, we find ourselves eating it at least once a week. Um, and I think Tuesday or Wednesday is a good day for Korean food because I usually cook like a bunch of like banchan in, uh, over the weekend and then it's perfect. You know, when you come home, you cook rice and then you have all these things. Um, I you think, said
1: banchan, yes. not panchan. No, I said banchan. Okay. Um, and Do you want to explain what a banchan is?
0: Oh, banchan are these little sides, if you will, I guess. Yeah. Um, that you can make ahead usually, or you can make it right before. But it's usually little size that accompany the meal, uh, a traditional Korean meal. Um, they can be mostly vegetable-based, tofu, sometimes meat, uh, but they just accentuate the entire meal and round it out. Uh, and I think that is so fun. Uh, and that's why I love Korean food in particular, because when you look at the ingredient list, it's not a lot of ingredients, but every dish tastes different. Mm. With different ratios of the same ingredients. Um, so I think it's a great cuisine. Um, and I love it. That would definitely make my list. Um, what about you?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. you said that. I you know, Korean cuisine obviously is like ubiquitous in some areas and then not seen, you know, in others. Um, And I don't think it's filtered through in terms of Korean staples quite being as prevalent in grocery Mm -hmm. stores or haven't up until very recently. For sure. You know? Yeah. It's more in recent days that you can find kimchi, gochugaru, gochujang, you know, um, consistently like in a Whole Foods type market. Mm. That wasn't always the case. That used to be like a specialty kind of situation. Um, I agree. I mean, Korean— Food is just so flavorful. The stews, just on their own, I think, are remarkable. Um, That's yeah, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. You know, growing up, my mom managed to pull all these different kind of repertoires almost out of a hat on weekdays. You know, she'd make stir fries, she'd make tacos, she would make all of this stuff, and I don't know, like you know, kind of where. came from or what her inspiration was but she just she would just she wasn't she wasn't afraid of trying something oh that's Um, interesting I yeah I feel like I'd almost want to pick a new cuisine Mm. every week Mm. and force myself to try something different because I'm terrible at that oh yeah oh I'm the worst I wouldn't wouldn't imagine you I have no I I like I I don't look at I don't look at cookbooks from the standpoint of, like, actually cooking from them. Yes, of course. (laughs) You know? And, you know, my repertoire is what it is. And I get inspired, you know, I I get—I sort of take in new ideas through the things that I'm eating and things that I'm seeing. Yeah. But in terms of actually turning around and just deciding, oh, well, I'm I'm making injera, right? Mm. Because it's Friday night and I got to do something different. Yeah. I'm pushing into— you know, areas that you were not really familiar at all. Yeah. And kind of then feeling your way through it, right? Because maybe you don't know how it's supposed to taste. I think that that would be my default. It's like one night of the week that's set aside for just trying something new Mm. wherever it's coming from. Yeah. And follow the recipe. (laughs) Well. (laughs) Which is also very hard for me.
0: Yeah. I don't I don't think once you get to a certain stage, I don't think you follow the recipe anymore. You just you just let go, and then you do what you can. Not not when it comes to baking, but when it comes to cooking, absolutely break all the rules. Um, that's that's something I prescribe to as well. But I really. So uh, did you, you said your mom cooks a bunch of different food, but did yeah. she have like certain days for certain things? Like, no. Okay. It was just whatever struck her fancy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I grew up similarly, but I do think there is something to be said for like a meatless Monday or like a roast chicken on a Sunday. I always wanted to be that person mm-hmm. who had that schedule. Um, I do think there's some freedom in that. You I know? can't plan. I mean, I can't. So <laughs> Chris, you're no, feeling different sides of yourself no, today. I just,
1: I can't. I have to keep it together like at work yeah. and in like public. So, like yeah. at home, I'm just like, <laughs> it's 6 p.m. and I'm just going to figure it out. Okay. Good to know.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. I'm. I'm not a planner either. So, there's Anna's question
1: answered. <laughs> okay. We're going to take a short break and then we'll be back to answer our final question. Hey listeners, Chris Morocco here. If you find yourself in a dinner crisis, the Epicurious app comes to the rescue. Not only will you unlock over 50,000 recipes from Bon Appetit and Epicurious, but you'll also receive daily personalized recommendations based on your unique preferences and dietary needs. Head to the Apple App Store and download the Epicurious app to kickstart your seven-day free trial today. Don't miss out on this culinary adventure. Start your free trial and let the Epicurious app be your kitchen hero. Happy cooking.
0: Our final question is from Miriam. Some details about Miriam. She lives with her pescatarian partner, David, in Brooklyn. She's an avid home cook and loves to experiment with different flavors and challenging recipes. Unfortunately, she lives in an area where fresh fish can be hard to come by especially in deep winter. Her local grocery store has a limited selection of fish that is of questionable quality. Miriam says, In the frozen food aisle, the packaging boasts all sorts of promises in flash frozen quality and fresh taste, but I'm still skeptical. Putting my own shrimp allergy aside, I'm committed to finding a way to bring fish to the dinner table. I'm willing to give frozen fish a try, but I'm not sure where to start. Do you have any advice for how to navigate the frozen fish aisle? Are there particular recipes or cooking techniques you recommend that might bring back the taste and texture of fresh fish? And finally, is it even worth trying? First of all, Miriam, I also have a shrimp allergy. Hello. Um, and, wow, Chris, have you had frozen... Outside of, like, fish fingers, I don't know that I've had... You know, maybe I'm lying because I think most of the fish that is sold commercially, is once frozen and thawed. So I feel like all of the fish that we've bought in stores is has been previously frozen.
1: Honestly, finding quality fresh fish is a major challenge wherever you live. Yeah. And I think the quality of the fish that most people can find is worse than they think. So mm. the people who are actively aware that the fish that they're seeing is probably pretty bad. Mm. I mean, it's probably it's really bad, really bad mm. you know, and there's nothing wrong whatsoever with frozen fish. No. And I assume you're not talking about, you know, bagged frozen fish fingers and, you know, mm. stuff like that. Oh. You know, it's like, you know, simply flash frozen fish. And there are some interesting, you know, kind of – um Co-ops you can belong to or, um, you know, kind of farm shares that will mail this stuff to you that I think can be relatively economical if eating fish is a priority. And, you know, let me be clear, fish is an expensive protein, you know, especially we're talking like wild caught fish for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, there are distinct benefits to using frozen fish. And part of it is the processing, right? A lot of it gets processed oh, yeah. and frozen right on the Outside.
0: boat, mm-hmm. you know?
1: So it gets flash frozen. And what that means is it's frozen so quickly at such an extremely low temperature, you know, once it defrosts later on, you know, it's it's less mushy mm-hmm. because it never was able the, – the texture of the fish never was degraded in the first place. hmm Now, you're not going to find all kinds of fish frozen necessarily, right? Like the the typical types of fish that you're going to find are salmon, Mm -hmm. probably halibut halibut or other flaky white fish such as cod, haddock, pollock. Mm -hmm. you know would it be cool if there was like more interesting frozen fish well sure but like that's already like not that bad you know like the world of flaky whitefish, like that is so adaptable yeah you know um but i think in terms of the recipes that you're gonna use here's the thing like you can't necessarily treat that fish like it's like perfect pristine you know fresh fish like it is going to be a little bit different you Mm -hmm. know and i feel like can you find frozen skin on salmon? Maybe I think so. Would the would the I, skin be on it? I feel like
0: yes. I feel yes. I've definitely seen, um, you know, some of those subscription boxes, yeah, the, the online ones. I've definitely seen frozen skin. But here's the thing: why would you want skin? On? Because to well, your point, going, I don't think you can like frozen seafood. Well, won't, that d- <laughs> won't cook what, d- up. What
1: what Stop. the the skin
0: yeah the skin it's won't. not gonna get crispy no. well that's what I was
1: trying to get at like <laughs> is the skin ever gonna go crispy exactly
0: it won't
1: are you sure though
0: well here's the thing you most people will usually struggle to get crispy skin even when the you know fish is fresh and when it's frozen I don't I don't I don't think it ever performs the same as yeah. Um, the per, the performance may if in that preparation, I mean. In
1: right. If you're looking for crispy skin, mm-hmm. you know, like especially like we're talking on like salmon, like a flatfish like halibut, you wouldn't tend to usually eat the skin, although, you know, opinions vary. Um, you know, you, you might have to suit your recipe choice, you know, um, you know, to fit the the kind of the product that you have. So yeah. all that said, like I I feel like, you know. I'm a little bit over crispy fish, like meaning like seared fish anyway. Yeah. Because if you don't have the skin on it, most of the time you're just kind of drying it out. Yes, yes. And mm-hmm. it's it's not necessarily doing you any favors. Like I'm I look for preparations. Like what was the recipe we did, the sambal salmon?
0: Oh, yes. Uh, Bridget Washington's. Yeah, Bridget um,
1: Washington's sambal. We slow cooked it. We slow cooked it in the sauce, right?
0: No. No, we you slow, just slow cooked cook it in the oven this- and then you finish it with this um, sweet, sweet, spicy sauce, which has a lot of like bell peppers in it, Yeah, which was great. It was such a low effort way to cook something. The fish could be fresh or frozen uh, and it wouldn't make a difference. Um, And it just came together so quickly. It was so hands-off, that whole dish.
1: Yeah, like a Um, slow roast fish is a beautiful thing, you know, like, I was looking at slow roasted salmon with harissa from Molly Boz, mm. you know, just as another example of like, it's just a f- very flavorful sauce that's going on to a very gently cooked piece of fish. Yeah. You know, and fish, the freshest fish at the best of times can dry out. Even salmon, you know, gets oh, yeah. that squeaky kind of mm-hmm. thing, like texture, like literally it squeaks between your molars. Yes. I freaking <laughs> hate squeaky fish, you know, yeah, dead squeaky fish, <laughs> you know, specifically Um you, yeah, But it's just like you want to shower it in flavor, you know, like you just want to like absolutely drown it in, in, in f- you know, just flavor of all sorts. Like mm-hmm. what about your um, brown butter, hazelnut sauces? Oh, yes. Talk about it. <laughs> tell them. That was
0: a good— Don't tell me. I know. <laughs> yeah, you do. Uh, no, that was a good sauce. You're right. That was uh, a quick pan sauce, which was brown butter and preserved lemon, and then it had pistachios in it, and it all comes together in a pan— um, that you can just pour over the fish. And no matter how you cook the fish, you can slow roast it, mm-hmm. you can sear it in a pan. Uh, but as you said, Chris, it's all about that sauce and building flavor there uh, and letting the sauce do the heavy lifting. Um, yeah. yeah, that was a great one. I think to answer Miriam's question specifically, I think using frozen fish is great. Uh, look at the label for sure and you know make sure it fulfills whatever you're looking for in terms of like ethical fish. Um, and then use it in a saucy preparation, I would say, or a slow-cooked one. Like, anything which is braised would be great. You wouldn't know the difference between fresh and frozen.
1: Right, right. The gentleness of the cooking process is really going to mitigate any kind of, you know, kind of... uh, Deficiency conferred by the freezing process. And yes. and absolutely just and to back it up to the very beginning, you know, for Miriam, it's like frozen fish is not a bad thing at all. No. Inherently no. it is not a bad thing. It probably the supply chain is like, you know, maybe, you know, even yeah. shorter and better.
0: Yeah. I mean frozen food in general. Like I love frozen food. Like frozen spinach, frozen kale, corn, oh, yeah. peas, berries. It's amazing. Show me
1: a pea that's better than no, frozen pea. No, I
0: can't. You can't. <laughs> it doesn't you exist. Can't do it. <laughs> it doesn't
1: exist. Great. If you have a dinner emergency or just a quick question, write to us at dinnersos at com or leave us a voice message at 212-286-SOS1. That's 212-286-7071. You can find the recipes featured on today's episode, plus the rest of the Bon Appetit recipe archive on the new Epicurious app brought to you by Condé Nast. Just search Epicurious in the app store and download today. They're also linked in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice and hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Dinner SOS is a Condé Nast Entertainment original podcast. I'm your host, Chris Morocco. My co-host this week is Shilpa Skokovic. This episode was produced by Jordan Bell with production support from Michelle O'Brien and Leah Kasher. Peyton Hayes is our associate producer. Jake Loomis is our engineer.
0: Hi friends, I'm Cameron Rogers, mental health advocate, mom of two, content creator, and host of Conversations with Cam. This podcast is dedicated to having honest conversations, prioritizing your well being, and reminding you that no matter what you're feeling, you are not alone. We'll discuss mental health maintenance, the ups and downs of motherhood, the trials and tribulations of life, and have a lot of fun along the way. Whether you are knee deep in diapers or just trying to keep your sanity intact, this podcast is for you. Expect laughs, maybe a few tears, and hopefully some breakthroughs along the way. Make sure to subscribe and tune in for new episodes of conversations conversations with Cam every Wednesday morning.